Well, howdy, JFC. Glad you're here. On the way in, you should have been handed the notes. And if you grab those, you can follow along with me as I begin to teach this. While you do that, let me welcome all of our campuses, not just here at Lone Tree, Highlands Ranch, Castle Rock, Lakewood, those that are live streaming us right now from different places in our country and literally different places in the world. And then those that will listen via the podcast, DVD, CD, however you're a part of JFC, man, welcome. And we're glad that you are. Uh, came from our men's advance. It's going on right now. We had 300 men sign up and they're a part of our men's advance, our biggest retreat ever uh, for a men's uh, situation. That's, that's approximately 10% of our church. I would take 10% at any event we do any day. God is doing some tremendous things. If you've got a husband up there, child up there, whatever the case, I want you to know, here was my prayer. We prayed this this morning before the start of the first service that what's happening there with the men, that they won't leave it there, that they'll bring it back here and bring that atmosphere back here to our church. It is tremendous. God was really doing something great. I was just impressed. Um, I, I tell you what, the speaker gave an altar call yesterday morning after he spoke at nine, gave an altar call. I think I, literally I was the first one down there to have the guy pray. It was just powerful and God is doing some great things and I hope that that ends up coming back here um, with those guys. Uh, it is a series on Ephesians, and we're getting close to wrapping it up. There's a few more weeks with it. Today, though, we're going to be talking about everything in every way. Let me make this statement and just point it out to you again. Maybe you're visiting for the first time. Maybe you've missed some of the different messages. Maybe you've heard them all, but there'll be something that I say today that is in reference to something we've already taught or something that you're curious about. Um, as a reminder, here's what you can do. On our website, jfc.org, everything that we teach, including all of the stuff that we put together for production for the DVD and, uh, and to be able to export the video, all of those things are available on our website, and they are free. How many of you know free is good? Free is good. And so here's what, here's what we did. When the church started 14 years ago, we didn't have another church that put their arm around us and said, how can we make this easier for you? And I told the Lord at the time, when we got to a place where we had resource, I was going to make it easier for other churches and for other people to be able to get stuff, to receive stuff. So as our church has grown and as we've been able to do it, we put everything on our website, we archive everything, and we make it available for free. So say all that to um, remind you, if you hear something or you know somebody that could use this or maybe it would be a benefit to them, whatever the case, send them to our website and it'll all be available there for free. Here's what we've taught in our series on Ephesians so far. The first message was called the Father's Kind Intentions. And then we taught about God's lavish love. Then we taught about the blood of Jesus. Last week, we got into the fact that we are chosen in him. And we spent some time looking at the fact that in our relationship with God, we don't pursue him. He pursues us. We respond to him. How do you remember that right there? And we gave time at the end of it for it to be able to be an opportunity for you to respond for you to be able to grow in those things. Today, we're going to talk about everything in every way. And let me just say this. That's a big statement, huh? Everything in every way. Everything in every way. Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verses 21 through 23. I'm going to read them out loud. If you'll find them in the notes, you can follow along with me. Paul begins this way. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given. Okay, look at me real quick. Yes or no, that's a very lofty thing right there. Say it one more time. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, 
and every title that can be given. Paul is talking about Christ and the position that Christ has. What he's really describing is Christ is the Lord. He is the Lord, and he is using these analogies. He's using these words to describe how high up Christ is. So again, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. God placed all things under Christ's feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills. Look at the words right here. Everything in every way. Jesus fills everything in every way. Let's pray. Father, would you take these three verses and the little bit of time that we have, would you cause something great to happen? God, I would just pray as I begin to teach on this and I begin to teach about how awesome Jesus is, Lord, would you let it come out? Would you let it be, Father, far more than what English can do, far more than what my description can do? Would you open our spiritual eyes, open our spiritual heart? Would you let the anointing be here to break every yoke of bondage so that people can see how great Christ is and what you've done for us in him? We thank you, and if you believe that, say amen. Here's what we're going to talk about this morning. Everything in every way. The first thing that Paul describes in Ephesians 1, 21 through 23 is the idea of lordship. I'll read it again. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given. The first thing that Paul begins to talk about here is lordship. Now, let me make this statement to you very quickly. I've got a magazine downstairs. Uh, I didn't order the magazine. I'm not quite sure how I got the magazine, but here's the title of it. The Top 100 Churches in America. And it uses the idea of the biggest churches or the fastest growing churches in America. I don't know how I got the magazine. I didn't order the magazine. Uh, I'm not sure why it was sent to me, but as I'm thumbing through it and I'm looking, the idea appeared to me. I'm not sure how comfortable I would be um, trying to advertise our church as one of the greatest churches in America. I'm not sure that, that the size of the church is necessarily what dictates how good a church is. Would you, would you agree with that? And part, part of what I looked at when I was looking through there, there are churches who have created huge crowds. I mean, massive crowds. There, there's a church in there, well, there's three churches in there that are over 30,000 people. 30,000 people. Some of those churches are good. Some of them, in my opinion, are not so good. Here's a thought right here that I would throw out to you. When you grow a church today, really, they use a word called seeker. S-E-E-K-E-R, seeker. There's two sides to being a seeker. There's the genuine idea that maybe you're here this morning, you don't know God, but you are sincerely seeking. You're seeking to see if there's anything to Christianity. You're seeking to find out if God really does care for you, if he has a plan for your life. Let me say this. We make room for seekers in our church. We want you here. If you're genuinely looking for God, we want to genuinely expose you to God. That means we expose you to truth. Do you agree to that? One thing about Jesus, Jesus never held back what he thought, did he? He always told the truth, and he always let the chips fall where they lie, and he let people choose. However, there's a bad side to the idea of seeking, and some churches have been built on this. They water the truth down so much so that they can attract a very large crowd, and they end up attracting a lot of people without ever telling the truth. How many of you recognize that's not good seeking? That's bad seeking. All right, in this piece of scripture right here, it kind of addresses that idea. Paul begins to talk about the lordship of Jesus, that Jesus is far above all rule and authority, all power and dominion, and every title that can be given. I put this down in your notes. See if you can agree with this statement. Jesus doesn't need fans. He needs disciples. 
Aren't you glad Jesus doesn't have a Facebook page where you can like him? <laughs> Some of you are sitting there going, what in the world does that mean? And I probably just exposed your age more than I exposed anything else. But Jesus is not looking for people who like him. Jesus is looking for people who are his disciples. Disciples mean a person who bows their knee to his lordship. It means that we recognize Christ is above everything. He's over everything, including your life. There is only one throne in your life, and either God sits on it or you sit on it, but there's not room for two people to sit on the throne. The truth of the matter is, God is not looking this morning. Christ does not want fans. He wants disciples, people that submit to his lordship. The kingdom of God, see if you can agree with this. The kingdom of God works on the very simple principle that there is a king, he has a kingdom, and in the kingdom are his servants. Slower, there is a king <laughs> in a kingdom, and he has servants. Let me put it to you this way. The Bible teaches, Paul wrote, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you submit to the lordship of Jesus, then you have the right to have righteousness, peace, and joy in your life. If you don't submit to the king, then you're without righteousness, peace, and joy in your life. Does that make sense? It works like this in America. We live in the home of the free and the land of the brave. True? I don't care really what you think about America, but can you agree with this? That in the world, this is the freest country in the world. And yet, tell me this isn't true. There are people in our country who don't submit to the laws of the land, and they're in jail in the freest country in the world. Is it true? Now, if you look at their passport, their passport is stamped American. When they die, they'll die Americans. But they don't enjoy the freedom that America offers because they don't submit to the laws of the land. The kingdom of God is exactly the same. In the kingdom of God, there is a king, there is a kingdom, and there are his subjects. If you submit to his lordship, you enjoy righteousness, peace, and joy. On your passport, it's stamped heaven. When you die, you'll go to heaven. But can you live in the kingdom of God without righteousness, peace, and joy? How about this? Do you know believers who don't have joy? Yeah. Do you know believers who don't have peace? Well, how does that happen? I submit to you, it's a lordship issue. When people don't bow their knee to Christ's lordship, when they don't put him on the throne of their life, when they don't submit to the laws of the kingdom... They don't enjoy the benefits of the kingdom. In America, you don't submit to the laws of the land. You lose freedom. You live in America, but you lose freedom. In the kingdom of God, you live in the kingdom, but you don't get the benefits unless you submit to the king. Does that make sense? Paul writes these words. I thought this was interesting. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. The same guy who wrote Ephesians chapter 1 wrote 1 Corinthians. Paul takes the same thought from Ephesians, and he continues it on in Corinthians, and this is what he says. In fact, read it out loud with me. Find it in your notes, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You got it? If you got it, say yay. Okay, read it with me. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. All right, listen, listen to this thought. We live, no, that's not a way. Let, let me go this way. The kingdom of God and the principles of the kingdom of God are in direct contrast to the kingdom of this world. This world says, if you want to be greatest, 
you have to be first. The kingdom of God says, if you want to be first, you have to be... If you want to be greatest, you have to be servant. I mean, the kingdom of God is a direct contrast to the kingdom of this world. We live in a world that says the highest... Man, the highest value you can ascribe to is personal choice, yes or no. The ability to choose for yourself how you live, what you do, your body belongs to you. Yes or no, that's what's espoused on the television every day. The kingdom of this world is all about me, 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 and I get to choose for me, me, me. The kingdom of God is the opposite. If you're a believer, you don't belong to yourself. Who do you belong to? And you're supposed to serve God with your body, yes or no. Is that what it says? It's a completely different kingdom. It's run on completely different terms. Paul says, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, that's where Christ is at, and we're supposed to submit to that. He takes the same thought, and in 1 Corinthians, you are not your own, you were bought with a price, therefore honor God with your body. Let me ask you this question. If you really belong to God, does your time belong to God too? Does your money belong to God? Does, does everything you have belong to God? If you really believe that, here's the way a believer should start his day. God, this is not my time. This is not my life. This is your life. God, I'll do today what you want me to do. Do you believe that to be true? Give you a great example. If you live that way, you get to enjoy, you submit to the benefit of the king, you get righteousness, peace, and joy. Here's how it works. This last week, we've got some folks in this church that, that love Chris and I, and, and they really go out of their way to show it. Now, the truth is, most of the people in this church love us and go out of their way to show it. We got a few stinkers who don't. <laughs> There's a few, right? And I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm going to point them. No, here, here's... Here. <laughs> Oh, I would love to do that. Oh, I would just, something, something wicked. Here's, here's, so there's a family in this church. Uh, they, they have a house in Phoenix, and this is what they've said to us. If we're not using the house, you guys can go down there and use it for free anytime that you want to. And this past week, um, our schedule opened up for about three or four days, and the tickets were right. The house was available, so Chris and I flew to Phoenix. I brought my golf clubs thinking maybe I'll get a time to play some golf and Monday went, Tuesday went, uh, Wednesday, Thursday morning, I woke up, it was open, I called the golf course, and the one that I like to play at wasn't available. And I remember the guy that led worship this morning is Tom, by the way, how many of you appreciate Tom Ewing? Tom's awesome. Tom, Tom Ewing, I, I have listened to Tom lead worship now for over 20 years, Tom, Tom is awesome. Um, Tom told me, he has a condo in Phoenix, and Tom told me this, long time ago. He said, John, if you ever get a chance to go and play at a place called the Boulders, go down there and play. So I, I was flipping through the newspaper looking for a deal. And sure enough, the Boulders was in there. So I called the Boulders. And this is what I asked the guy. I said, uh, I'm by myself and my wife's not coming to play. So I need to play really fast. Can I get the first time out so I can play fast and get back home? And the guy goes, if, you, if you'll come at seven o'clock, I'll let you be the first guy out. So I get there at seven. I'm ready. And, and here's what happens. The, the starter comes up to me and he says, listen, um, this course, I don't know if you know it, it's a private course and we allow some public play. Two of the members uh, are going to go off at seven o'clock. And this is what he said to me. He said, they're really grumpy people and you don't want to play with them. That's <laughs> what he tells me. They're grumpy people and you don't want to play with them. So he said, if you'll wait 15 minutes, he said, I'll send them out. They play fast. If you wait 15 minutes, then I'll send you out. You can play by yourself 
and you'll be done, same amount of time, you'll have a great time, nobody, you, you'll, you'll enjoy it. I said, okay, that's great. So these two people, they tee off, they go. I show up to the tee box, the starter walks up to me, and he says, listen, a single showed up, and uh, I'm going to put him with you. And that made me mad. Because I was all, I don't know about you, but sometimes I have an overdeveloped sense of fairness. When somebody tells me something, I tend to lock in on it. Anybody else like that? You ever just lock in on something? I was going to play by myself. It was all, it was this perfect deal. Here's the problem though. I had already told God that morning, you have the right to do what you want to do in my life. Do you know how dangerous that prayer is? <laughs> and do you know that God listens to you when you pray prayers like that? So I prayed that prayer, God, you can do what you want to do. I am available. This is what I said to God. I'm available. I am available. You can do what you want to do this morning. Okay, the problem is sometimes when I pray that prayer, I don't realize when he's doing it, that's what he's doing. I tend to think that this starter lied to me. I'm being ripped off. I want to defend myself. I want to pick my golf clubs up and go home is what I'm going to do. I said, okay, let this guy play with me. God is my witness. Listen to this story. We tee off. The guy turns to me. He said, my name's Matt. I said, my name's John. He said, what do you do, John? I said, I'm a pastor in Colorado. He goes, man, I just got my undergraduate degree. And he said, I am faced with a dilemma of either moving to California or moving to Highlands Ranch, Colorado. Do you know where Highlands Ranch is? <laughs> I'm not preaching. I'm not kidding. I'm telling you straight up. I looked at this guy like, you, you, uh, there are six billion people on the planet. <laughs> and you're moving to Highlands Ranch? And I go, well, I do know where Highlands Ranch is. I pastor a church in Highlands Ranch. And then this is what the guy said to me. He said, do you know Jason Prio? Now, most of you sit here and you go, who in the world is that? Jason Prio goes to our church. He is my golf teacher. Jason Prio, two years ago, qualified for the U.S. Open and played in it. That's how good he is. I looked at this guy, and I could not believe I just heard out of his mouth, do I know Jason Prio? And I said, yeah, I know Jason Prio. He's my, I'm thinking, I'm looking for a camera. Like, there, is there, is there, there's a, it's, this is a camera, right? This has got to be a trick. And the guy goes, do you know Jason? And I said, of course I know Jason Prio. He's my golf teacher. And I tell him the story, and this is what the guy said. He said, I'm thinking about going uh, maybe to work for his company. Do you know anything about it? And I begin to talk to this guy, and he's a believer, and he's looking, and let me ask you a question. Is it just possible that God had me cross paths with this guy at 7.15 on a Thursday morning at a golf course I wasn't supposed to play at, at a time I wasn't supposed to be at with a person I had no idea was even there? Is it just possible when you do things with God, righteousness, peace, and joy belong? You ever pray, God? do these things in my life, but then you want him to do it. Here's what it means, God. I'm going to sit in this hammock in my backyard. <laughs> and I just want righteousness, peace, and joy to come to me. In fact, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to get up. I'd like to open the trunk of my car and find money. Tens, twenties, fifties. <laughs> just bless me, God. You ever prayed those prayers right there? The way you do it and the way God, it works in complete diametric opposition to the kingdom of God is completely different. God works different. Here's the prayer you're supposed to pray. You are far and above every title, all dominion. I bow my knee to you. My time is not my time. You want to direct me this morning? I'm not going to be angry about it. I'm not going to be mad about it. I'm not going to be selfish. My time belongs to you. Let me do what you want me to do. Use me this morning. As I tell that story, I'm reminded, it's not even in your notes, I'm reminded of this truism. About four years ago, a guy in our church invited me to go see a mission in Lima, Peru. It had to deal with orphans. I went down and I saw this mission. I participated. I had the time of my life. I decided I would support this missionary. This missionary had hired an interpreter 
we were sitting at the Lima airport. I'm waiting to go home, and this interpreter, her and I were just having a conversation, and I said, do you have many Americans come to Lima to work? And she said, not a lot of Americans, but we do have a group from Alaska that comes down from time to time. And this is what I said. I've got a friend in Alaska. I haven't seen him for about 20 years. Do you know a guy named Larry Good? She about faints. She goes, Brother Larry? She goes, Larry comes down here all the time. I said, it can't be the same Larry. Good. She dials the telephone number, hands me the phone. The same guy that I used to go to church with 20 years ago has started a mission in Lima, and he happens to be there right during that time. I have no idea, but I told God, my time is yours. Larry comes over to the airport. In 15 minutes, he tells me what he's doing, and here's the truth. Last year, we put $150,000 into that ministry. Some of you that have been here long enough remember I had a Harley, and we put it up for auction. Do you remember that? That's how much I believe in what he's doing. I put my Harley up for auction. $100,000 came in for that Harley. $100,000 that we put into mission. Larry sent me a video this week. He said, John, it's a difficult video to watch, but I want you to watch it to the end. It was an 11-minute video. It began with a 10-year-old girl through an interpreter, and she's crying, and she's telling her story. When I was six years old, she lived in Cusco, Peru. I went to a waterfall. She was very poor to take a shower. She said, my stepfather caught me alone and he brutally raped me when I was six. And she goes on to describe, she took a rock and she tried to hit him and he wouldn't let her alone. And I could not watch this video. My heart hurt. This girl was weeping and crying and I thought, God, this is so awful and this is so ugly and I, God, I can't watch this. And Larry had said to me, John, watch it to the end. And we go through her entire testimony of how terrible it is. She comes to the end of the video and she begins to laugh. And she begins to say, because Jubilee got involved in my life, I'm now in this orphanage. I now go to school. I've been able to forgive my stepfather. And her future is completely different. I put that computer away with righteousness, peace, and joy as my friend that day. How do things like that happen? When you get that he is far and above, lady, listen to me. When you recognize that God this morning woke up, he is the God of the universe, but just like Tom said, he is the God who is right here, right now. He knows your name. He picked the color of your eyes. He knows everything about you, and he wants to interact with you today. You know what God waits for? He's pursuing you. We love him because he first loved us. He's pursuing you, and you know what he wants from you? To turn to him and say, God, I give myself to you today. You can have all of me. You can direct my time. You can direct my children. You can have my finances. You can have my marriage. You can have every. Either you believe that God loves you that much and he wants to be involved in your life, or you believe in some distant deity that may or may not care about what happens to you. Which one do you believe? I believe just like Paul wrote, he is far and above. Every title, all authority belongs to him, and he waits for us to recognize, I bow my knee to you because you can sit on the throne of my life and direct everything that I do. Jesus doesn't need fans. He doesn't need people who applaud him politely or who say, I like him. Here's what he needs. Give your life to him completely. Give everything you have to him and watch what he'll do with you. You ever read stories about great exploits that people do and you're like, God, why don't you use me that way? Why don't you say to him, 
God, you can use me that way. Here I am. Let my path cross paths with people who need to hear from you today. Sometimes we think, well, you're a pastor. Of course, things like that happen to you. (laughs) (laughs) This scripture teaches us about the lordship of Jesus. This scripture also tells us all things have been put underneath his feet. Let me read it. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come, God placed all things under his, Jesus' feet. Yes or no, that's what it says. Okay, when this was written, follow this. Let me just teach you something very quickly. This is theological, not mumbo jumbo, but something that you could learn. Uh, When this was written, it was written by a Middle Eastern Jew. Jesus was a Middle Eastern Jew. Everything is written from that perspective, from the Middle East, from that time, from that place. It helps to understand that sometimes the context of it was written to people who would have understood things that you and I don't understand. The wording, all things under his feet, is taken from the Old Testament, and it's a word picture. Let me bring it into modern America. At the end of the first Gulf War, when the Allied forces turned back Saddam Hussein from Kuwait, Do you remember that some of the soldiers took their shoes off and they were hitting the statue of Saddam Hussein with their shoe? Do you remember that? Remember that? How about this? When George Bush was doing his press conference, one of the guys took his shoe off and threw it at the president. Do you remember that? Okay, that is a Middle Eastern picture. In the Middle East, the dirtiest part of your body is your feet. In Jesus' day, whenever a person would go into a house, you'd take your shoes off and they would come and wash your feet. You remember when Jesus went to Simon's house and Simon didn't bring any water to wash his feet and Mary, the prostitute, came in and she began to cry and she washed Jesus' feet with her tears and she dried it with her hair. Do you remember that? And then Simon, he doesn't say it out loud, he thinks it in his head. If you really were God, you'd know what kind of whore just touched you. And Jesus turns to him without ever, without Simon ever opening his mouth. Jesus reads his mind and this is what he said, Simon, you didn't bring me any water. You didn't bring me any towel and you didn't anoint me or kiss me. But this woman, since I've been here, she hasn't stopped kissing me. She hasn't stopped ministering to me. She hasn't stopped washing my feet. It was a Middle Eastern custom that the feet were so dirty and so filthy that the feet were, they were the low of the low. So the greatest insult that you could give to anyone was to touch them with your feet. Here's what you were saying. The worst of me is better than the best of you. So when the guy took his shoe off to throw at Bush, he was saying the worst of me is better than the best of you. When they took their shoe and they hit the statue, the worst of me is better than the best of you. Here's what God is saying. The worst of Christ is better than the best that the devil has to offer anytime, anyplace, anywhere. And then Ephesians 1 says, we are in him. So if God put all things under Jesus' feet, everything the devil does to you is under your feet. The worst of you is better than the best the devil has. Dang, that's good. That's good. Get my red shoe back on here. How do you like my red shoe? It's a flashy. Woo! It's a preaching shoe right there. You can't wear these to the store. You think I'm kidding? 
You wear these to the store, you're in trouble. You have to wear, these are preaching shoes right here. Here's <laughs> Romans, same guy that wrote Ephesians, same guy that wrote Corinthians, also writes Romans. Here's what he says in Romans. The God of peace will crush Satan under your When I say that, we all do it together. Let's try this together. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. That's the meaning. The worst of you is better than the best he has to offer. God is going to crush him under your feet. What if we began to pray that way? What if instead, oh God, the devil's winning. Oh God, the earth is out of control. Oh God. What if we began to pray? Devil, you are beaten. How about this? I, I, I cheated. I picked up. I, I went to the end of the book. We win. <laughs> you don't believe me? Turn to Revelation chapter 20 and read it for yourself. He ends up in a lake of fire, bound in eternity to suffer. You and I, heaven, God, good, righteousness, peace, joy, in the Holy Spirit, under your feet. Under your feet. It's what it means. What if we begin to pray that? So we go, well, oh, that preacher, you know how to hype. I'm not hyping anything. I'm telling you the truth. This is the truth. The work of Jesus defeated the devil once and for all. When Jesus said, it is finished, is it or isn't it? Is it or isn't it? Pray like it is. Believe like it is. Fight like it is. Give you the last one here. So it talks about lordship. We win. How about this? I think the last sentence in Ephesians 1, 23, I think if you said to me, if you could pick any theme that you wanted to describe your church, what would it be? I would say I would want a kingdom culture to identify Jubilee. And I think this, this sentence has it. So let me read it. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come, God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, look at this, who fills everything in every way. In my mind, what I would want Jubilee to be marked by is the fact that Jesus fills everything in every way. He fills why we do what we do. Every person we greet, every message we teach, every small group that meets, every outreach, every mission, everything that we do should be marked by the fact that we believe Jesus fills everything in every way. Look, I'm not ashamed of Jesus. He's my hero. Some people pick guys like, oh, I don't know. You have Bieber fever. I got Jesus fever. <laughs> if you think that's weird, no, Justin Bieber is weird. That, that's the... <laughs> Woo! I can appeal to any audience. Here's the thought. The right culture, the right culture allows everyone to thrive. Pay attention. The right culture allows everyone to thrive. Jesus had a peculiar way that wherever he went, everything could live. Listen to this. Peter, James, and John were able to thrive, but so was Judas. 
Did you ever think about that? Jesus had a way that he could bring the life of God so that even wicked people had an opportunity to hear the truth. And here's what I believe. Jesus knew that Judas was a thief, but he still made him the treasurer. Did you ever think, did you ever think about that? He knew who Judas was, but he still made him the treasurer. Why would Jesus do that? I think that Jesus understood no one has an opportunity to change unless the atmosphere is created where people can change. And then if they decide they're not going to, God knows how to sort them out. You know what we should do in our church? Let's not worry about who comes. Let's not worry about what it looks like. Let's not worry about how we're going to get it. Let's just do this. Let's go after God and let him sort out what it should be like. Anybody? I think that should mark. Look, if you're a religious person and you're just like, well, I'm just worried about that. You will be so worried about it. Nothing will ever happen. Listen to this. Your job's not to get yourself to heaven. Your job is to bring heaven to earth. Say this with me. The Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We pray, I want your will to be done. God makes it so plain and simple that we don't see it. God's will, that what happens in heaven takes place on the earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is earth supposed to look like? Heaven. Let me ask you a question. Does cancer exist in heaven? Does murder exist in heaven? Is anything ever stolen in heaven? I know, but this is the earth, Pastor. But your job is to so engage God in his kingdom to so be in love with him. Listen, you create the atmosphere that you're most aware of. If the atmosphere of earth predominates your thoughts, your time, your thinking, guess what? That's what you broker all around you, what the earth looks like. But if you are so engaged this way, guess what you bring? You broker that atmosphere here. Your job is a big job. How do you bring heaven to earth? How do we change what's broken? And yet that's the very thing. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Does that mean God's supposed to do it? Or is God challenging us? Bring heaven to earth. Anybody? Wow. I put down the very last point, the election. I, I think churches need to be very careful not to become political pawns and entities of this world. Here's what I would challenge you to do with this upcoming election. Please notice, 
I don't tell you who to vote for. Please notice I don't tell you how to vote. Notice what I'm telling you to do. You are supposed to so engage God that you know what God wants done so that when you vote, you vote according to what God wants done on this earth. We live in a country that allows us to enact leaders who create laws that allow us to live a particular way. Your job is never to vote with your pocketbook. Let me come over here to this side. Your job is never to vote with what your friends are doing or what the media say. Your job is to so engage with God that when you check a ballot, you know this is what God wants. This is how heaven, this is how. We, does this make any sense? Your job is to always know it's not my pocketbook, it is my morals that I'm voting with. Yes or no? Boy, that's there. How do, we, how do we practically begin to do these things? You are supposed to so engage him this way that your entire thinking is this is, what, this is how God sees it. This is what God wants. This is how I bring heaven to earth. So I begin to affect my society and what's around me. I love that. I love that. You know, some are sitting here and they're uncomfortable right now. Here, here's your problem. You, you have bought into the lie. Um, can, I, can I just say to you, there is only one thing you should ever put your faith and hope in, and that's Jesus. Don't ever trust a politician to be your savior. Yes or no? Yes or no? Don't ever do that. Jesus is your savior. Put your faith and hope there and go through him to decide what it looks like past that. Does that make sense? That's how you engage culture. How do I bring heaven to earth? How do I figure out what it's supposed to look like? What is God saying and what does God want? Churches that begin to get into this, you need to pick this guy, you need to pick, man, that, that is as, that is, that becomes as fleshly as anything. What does God want? Because what you will answer to when you stand before him is the lordship issue. Did you bow the knee to him? Were you engaged with him? And did you obediently follow through with what he told you to do? Am I telling truth? Okay. So I got six minutes, 36 seconds left. Got it all done. Hallelujah. Miracle. Praise the Lord. The kingdom of God came to you this morning. This is what God wanted for you to have six minutes. Lord, take this time. Here's what we want. Church, let's take our remaining time. And like we do in the end of all of our services, what do we want to do? We want to engage God right now. What is God saying to us? What does God want to have happen in our lives? What does the kingdom of God look like? Let's engage God so that we know. Every man, every woman right now, every young person who hears me and is capable of engaging God right now, let's go to the throne room and let's engage him. Let's become so in love with who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing that we know what the world is supposed to look like. And let's begin to move the kingdom of God into the realm that we have influence over. Into the realm we have influence over. Father, every person opens their heart to you right now. Every eye turns to you. Everyone in this room, everyone, we turn to you and we ask God, what do you want it to look like? What should it be like? 
What does heaven on earth look like? While you're praying, while your eyes are closed, I want to ask this question. When I come to the end of a message, I never had it prepared. I always allow God to direct me. I always allow him the chance to say to me, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to ask the question, listen very carefully this morning, all of our campuses, everyone who hears my voice right now, have you given yourself to God? If you have, then tolerate those who haven't for a moment. Have you said to God, be merciful to me? Have you said to God, forgive me, I'm a sinner? Have you said to God, I want to be a part of your kingdom? Have you said to him, I'm willing to trust in the work that Christ has done in order to ensure heaven for me? And I want to give myself to you. I want to make you the Lord of my life. If what I just said hits your heart, if you had opportunity right now to give yourself to him and you've not done it, would you? I want to give you the opportunity. I will not embarrass you. I will not manipulate you. I will not parade you. I will pray for you. I will pray for you. This is for all of our campuses right now. If you say, Pastor, remember me in your prayers this morning. I want to give myself to God. I want to make him the Lord of my life. I've never asked for his forgiveness before, and I'd like this morning to be forgiven. I'd like his grace and mercy. I'd like to enter into the kingdom of God. If you just say, Pastor John, pray for me. Slip your hand up right now. Just pray for me, John. That's what I need. Sure, sure. Yeah, you don't have to keep them up. You can put them back down. Yep, it's a lot of you. Anybody else? Pray for me. Yep, see you. See you. See you. Got you on the side. Yep, just pray for me. Put them back down. Anybody else? Just pray for me. Thank you, ma'am. See you. Campus pastors, I hope you're looking right now. Yep. Okay, let's make this as easy as we can because this is a family. I'd like us all to pray together. Would you just repeat after me, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I give myself to you. Forgive me of my sin. Bring me into your kingdom. Show me your grace. Let me experience your mercy. I trust you. In Jesus' name. I promise you that if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, God heard you this morning and he embraces you. I promise you that if you said it from sincerity in your heart, there's no right way or wrong way. You can't mess it up. If you say to God, help me, and you mean it, he will help you. If you prayed that prayer this morning, and you meant it, I want you to do me a favor. 
on your way out of here at all of our campuses, at all the exit, you'll find people standing there. They'll be holding on to an envelope. In the envelope are instructions on how to have a relationship with God. It just simply works like this. Almost 30 years ago, Chris and I got married. We gave ourselves to each other. We said, I do. When that ceremony was over, we didn't go back to our separate houses. We began working on a relationship right then and there that is practiced every day. The same thing is true now with you and God. You don't go back to your life, and then when you die, hope that everything works out. You begin to work on a relationship with God every day. The give and the take, the coming to know somebody, the experiencing of love. All of those things now are true because you're a part of a family. You're his child. He's your father. If you say, man, I'd like to talk to somebody about that this morning, here's what you would do. You would go to our welcome center. Remember, we talked about that in the very beginning for visitors. But if you made that decision this morning and you say, I'd like to talk to somebody about what this means or I need some more information, go to the welcome center and just simply identify yourself and whoever's there will have a conversation with you. If you don't need the conversation, then simply take the envelope on your way out. Everything that you'll need to understand, to move on in the next little while is inside the envelope, including our contact information. If you happen to have made that decision and you're listening remotely, jfc.org, log on. You'll find on there our contact information. Let us know you made that decision. We'll send you the information. It's as simple as that. Let's go ahead and then engage God at this time. I'll have you all stand to your feet, if you will. We'll come into this worship time. If you want to take communion, if you want to pray, you want to worship, I would just encourage you to do this. Before you head out to the parking lot, get in your car and go on with your day. Engage God right now. Bring heaven to earth by engaging him. Allow him to speak to you. Allow him to talk to you. Tell him he has the right to be the Lord of your life this morning. And by the way, if you take communion this morning, it's going to be done a little bit different. We don't have the folks up serving this morning, and it's just for this weekend. You're going to find communion at the two crosses in the back of the sanctuary. You would go there, and it's self-serve this morning. But if you need prayer, if you want to worship, you want to use the altar, you want to stay in your seat, do that. We're going to sing a couple of songs together, and then one of the pastors will come back and dismiss you with the blessing of God this morning.